last couple of years for the Trivia Night, the staff have uh, kindly donated their dignity to raise some money for the Forever Home and for Matt's place. You know, we recreated a few movie scenes two years ago. Last year, it was we did our own version of MasterChef and a few others. And this year, well, we're doing an amazing race. So I think there's going to be six videos, which includes the blooper reel, which I've seen some of those, and it's hilarious. There may be video of somebody speeding on camera and somebody going, just cut other people off, it doesn't really matter. And so could be quite interesting. So it's 250 bucks a video. You can contact the church office and unlock it. And all proceeds go towards supporting uh, the Match Place program, which is a community meals thing we do twice a week to feed those who may not be able to do it themselves. And the Forever Home in Johannesburg, which um, uh, looks after orphan kids. So they're two good causes. So consider getting involved in it. And, a and I promise that I'm not going to yodel this morning because... It's not great. So, but the, the whole concept of these staff videos actually flows pretty well uh, out of my message this morning. Because what they do is they provide an opportunity for us as a collective to show love towards our neighbours who are doing it tough. To let them know that people care and that they have worth. And today I want to explore the concept of love. And some of you may be internally groaning at that. But I'm not just talking about bunny rabbits and rainbows kind of fluffy love. I'm talking about real love and real love is messy. And the thing is, church, love is integral to who we are as people. We've all experienced love in some way, shape or form. And we know the power that it has on our moods, our motivations, even our sense of self. Love is at the core of humanity, even when we are in pain or hurting, Love can make things better. And it's powerful and, it's so, and so it shouldn't be thrown around or used flippantly. And sometimes we can, we can do that. We just say it for the sake of saying words. But do we actually understand what it, what it means inside of us? You know, it's the driving force of most actions that people do. You know, more than that, we are, we are designed for love. You know, at the point of creation, God said that it was not good for man to be alone. And so he created Eve. We were designed to love those around us as well as loving God. So it is inherent in who we are to be loved and then to love. Which brings me to this morning. I've titled my message, The Greatest Love of All. And no, I'm not going to sing that song either because I won't do any justice to Whitney if I try and sing that. So, but I think it's a fitting description for the love that God has for each and every one of us is his love is the greatest love of all. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that it doesn't matter what we've done, where we're at, you love us. And so this morning as we explore your love, I pray it be your words out of my lips and that we can go on a bit of a journey and understand what you want us to learn about your love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. No, the Bible is full of stories that highlight the love of God for his creation. And you know, in a lot of ways, the Bible is the greatest love story ever told. And one passage that I feel adequately conveys the depth of God's love and an appropriate response to it, as best as our human minds can understand, is where I want to look today. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to open to 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to read verses 7 to 21. 
So that's 1 John 4, 7 to 21. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. And I love that. That he loved us and so we love from that place of being loved. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. It's a pretty amazing passage. Um, you know, and there's... What John writes is, is kind of countercultural to what the Jews would do because the Jews didn't often speak the name of God. It was, his image was so precious that it was not to be depicted in, in certain images. And when God is spoken of throughout the pages of Scripture, it's most often done in metaphor or they talk about what God is like rather than saying who God necessarily is. But in this letter, John comes out and says, God is love. It's a pretty big claim, and, and I'm sure many of us have heard that thrown around before, but we need to actually understand that it's more than just three words. God is love is, is, is a character trait of God. It is who God is. And because we are made in God's image, therefore we are to love God and to love each other and to love our communities. You know... In my Bible, this section is titled God's Love and Ours, and I like that. You see, since our love has its source in God's love for us, his love reaches completion when we love each other. In the context of the day, the letter was written to Christians to love one another, and that can be hard. Not here, of course, because you guys are so easy to love and, and we're, we're family, but, you know, how often do we hold other Christians to a standard we don't hold ourselves to? How easy is it for us to get upset with a brother or sister for not seeing things the way that we do? You know, when you're around family, it can be difficult. 
that's all the more reason we are to love each other. And I definitely agree with that, but I think we need to not confine the scope to just to people inside the four walls because the principles in this passage can be applied to loving people as a general rule. Amen? You know, we, we need to apply that love to everybody that we come across. If we call ourselves followers of God and disciples of Jesus and God is love, we need to live with love. So I summarise the passage this way. God first loved us. So if we choose to love him back, it means also loving how he loves as best we can. And this is what I want to explore today. You know, in his letter, John wants to make sure that we understand that love is not an optional virtue for the believer. It's to be the distinguishing mark of the church in the world. It's, it's, it's a huge concept. But love is to be the distinguishing mark of the church in the world. And too often, I think we, we get it wrong. We, we get so caught up in, in debating with other denominations about who's right and who's wrong. We get too caught up in saying, well, no, your lifestyle's wrong. You've you got to change. You've got to do all of this. Where's the love? You know, if every Christian lived from this place of love and acceptance and, and, and loved everybody and, and the root of what we did came out of love, the world would be a whole lot different. It would be a whole lot better. You know, it's a big duty that we carry to be those beacons of love in the world, to radiate an unconditional love to all those that we come across. It's a big thing to wrap our heads around, and I want to try and help us understand this a little bit better today. So before we can love as God loves, we need to first understand what real love is. And in prepping this message, Em gave me the idea to see what was online in the way of kids being asked what love is. If you've ever seen it, there's lots of videos on YouTube where they ask kids to explain what certain things are. And so I've, um, here's a sample of responses from four to eight-year-olds when asked, what is love? So the first one, love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. <laughs> that's from Chrissy, who's six. That's, that's a pretty good one. So Bobby, who's seven, says, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. That, that's pretty profound. That's pretty profound. Uh, so we've got an eight-year-old girl, Emily, here, who says, love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mummy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. <laughs> and I'm sure parents who have got kids that... You, you've heard that at some point, I imagine. Marianne, who's four, says, Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you left him alone all day. Any dog lovers here? Do you agree with that? Yep. Carl, who's five, says, Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> ah, that's great. I love that one. Just imagine that, people just with whatever on and you're just walking around having a sniff of the next person. It's a bit weird, a bit weird, but you know, you've got to love kids. And Jenny, who's eight, and I love this one. She could probably get up and, and preach this herself with her response. There are two kinds of love, our love and God's love, but God makes both kinds of them. 
that's pretty, for an eight-year-old, that's, that's deep. I, I love the fact, though, because it's true. God, God is love, and then it, he gives us the ability to love. He's responsible for all of that. You know, and kids just have a way of making things so pure and honest. I love those responses. So how does this help us to understand what real love is? From a scriptural context, not a great deal other than the last answer, but from a life perspective, quite a lot. You know, love doesn't always make sense. It can be a little quirky, but at the core, love brings us joy and it places emphasis and importance on the person that we love. And that's, that's, that's a big thing, you know. Um, Pastor Mark, a couple of weeks ago, in the first part of his How to Get Along with People, said, you know, we need to accept people and place a 10 on everybody. And I think it's the same. When we love, we need to put that importance on people so that they can know and actually feel that love. Because we all need that feeling. We all need to know that we are loved. You know, but, and I think it's vital for us to understand that we need to place that importance on people. We can't just say, oh, yeah, I love you, I love you, I love you, and just throw it around because we do. But actually say to somebody, hey, I, I love you. I love the way that you do this, the way that you encourage and inspire. We need to be honest and genuine when we do it. And you know, the passage that I read from 1 John 4, there's 15 verses that I read, and the word love is mentioned 32 times in 15 verses. So I wonder what John was trying to convey. You know, many of the references jump out at me, but I want to quickly touch on two in particular that I feel are super important this morning. So the first one, God is love. Three words. But apart from this truth, we have no hope at all. See, without God, there is no love because love begins with God and is God. And while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to save us because God loves us. You know, love is central to who God is. And as people created in the image of God, it has to be central to who we are as well. You know, if we are in his image, we are a reflection of who he is. And so if he is love, then we need to be love as well. We need to be love in the world. You know, the second one is... Perfect love drives out fear. I love that. You know, as we begin to understand the depth and the fullness of the love that God has for us, we start to walk taller. It's like hearing encouragement from your spouse or your teacher or your boss. You know, you stand up straighter because you, you start to believe in yourself. And this is no different. Church, we need to understand God's love in order for us to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And therefore, we can live accordingly, free of fear, free of shame, free of guilt, free of unworthiness, free of all those things that, that are contrary to God's love. So what's stopping you from giving or receiving love? I want you to consider that for a moment. Consider it and then realize that God is bigger than whatever that blockage is. He is better than anything we could imagine ourselves as to what love looks like he's bigger and better than that he's more powerful and his holy spirit flows through us for us to use and 1 john 4 4 a couple of verses beforehand i'll read it so that i get it right 
uh, it says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So because we have God's love in us, we can overcome the things in the world that are contrary to that, the things that try and pull us down and, and, and tear us down. We can overcome that because perfect love drives out fear. Don't reject God and what he wants to do because of, of stubbornness or, or, or pride or because you don't think that God can do it or you think you aren't worthy of his love. Don't reject. Don't reject that. Don't, don't let that get in the way of what God wants to do and that God wants to love you. You know that situation or circumstance or feeling you think is too big for God? Really? You know, his love has paid every price for all of these situations. And it says that we can overcome the world because of it. So it's time to open our hearts and understand that he does love us. And that we are worthy of that love because God says we are. God says we are. So we need to actually start to understand that. You know, think about it. How does that change your attitude when it comes to receiving love? Like when, when we receive it, it's like, cool, that, that, that's good. But when it comes from God that he loves us, what does that do inside of you? For me, I think it's, it's I, I, I can't understand it. It doesn't make sense, you know. You make all these mistakes, but God's just like, I love you anyway. I love you. And you're good enough. We need to understand that. You know, sometimes I wonder if the statement like God is love has lost its depth and power when we hear it. Because we are constantly bombarded with weak concepts of what love is. You know, we talk about loving certain kinds of food or TV shows or, or, or sports or things like that. We equate love with something that makes us happy or something that makes us feel a certain way. But love extends so far beyond all of that. And I, it's not me condemning that because I'm as guilty as anyone. For doing that, but I wonder if it makes us comfortable with love, and that we think, and that what we think it is, that we miss the reality of, of the the depth and the richness of God's love. Do we miss the reality of what God's love is? You know, I'll come back to that in a little while. You know, love is unexpected. It often comes to us at the exact opposite of what we thought we'd get. Sometimes. You know, love is unafraid. It knows that when all is said and done, God stands with us. God loves us. You know, and love wins. Even in the face of struggle and adversity, love wins in the end. His great love overcomes everything so that we can spend eternity with him. And we need to understand that. You know, throughout the, the pages of the Old Testament, there's a kind of a cultural idea that bad people get bad things and good people get good things. And, yeah, it, it happens, but at the same time, there are stories where good people get bad things. And, and, and often in the world, we sit there and go, they're a good person, why did that happen? And, you know, it's not, it, you can't really explain it. You know, but 
The amazing thing about God's love is that while we were still sinners, God loved us. You know, it may not seem fair the way that things happen, but none of us are perfect. We all fall short in some capacity. I know I'm being real and we don't always like hearing that, but the fact is we are all imperfect. We all fall short. But regardless of that, God still loves us. While we were completely and utterly undeserving, God sent Jesus to save us. When the wages of sin should have been death, God's love issued before us a plan for life. When our separation from God should have destroyed us, God found a way to redeem and restore. Before we could ask for it, God had already given it to us. Love is unexpected. It's unashamed. It's perfect. You know, love is patient when we were probably expecting impatience or anger. You know, we stuff up, but God's just like, come on, get back on track. Keep going. Keep moving forward. You've got this. Love is kind in an unkind world. And you know, you know those people when there's so much bad stuff going on, those people who are kind and encouraging, they stick out like a beacon. And that's what love does. It does not envy or boast, but it celebrates with others. You know, love is not selfish and demanding, but is other people focused and it's a giving thing. Love is something that we give. And so once we receive it, we need to be going out and giving that love to people, letting them know that they are valued and important. doesn't matter who they are, everybody is worthy of love. And we need to start to understand that and live that. You know, love believes when belief seems crazy. Love hopes when all seems hopeless. Love is unexpected, but love is what endures. You know, so often when we read the list of what love is in 1 Corinthians 13, where I've jumped, taken a few of those from, we read it as though it was intended as a marital to-do list. You know, it's read all the time at weddings and we just apply it to the context of, of marriage. Let's apply that to life. Let's apply that to life. It, it, it gives us a window into what, a God, into what godly love looks like. And if we're made in the image of God and to reflect him, then we don't just reflect that in a certain place. We reflect that in the entirety of our lives. And we need to start to understand that. You know, I, you, we could be the most charismatic and the best Bible teacher alive. Uh, alive. But that means nothing without love. You know, people could get up here and, and, and speak, but then you go up to talk to them and they just turn and walk away. It means nothing what we do without love. You know, we could be responsible for amazing academic breakthroughs, but that means nothing if we don't have love. Love is the glue that holds us all together and it is the thing that governs who we are and what we do as children of God, or it should govern that. Imagine what society would look like if love was the defining characteristic of humanity, as it should be. You know, I don't often talk of politics, but I wonder what that industry would look like if they made policy decisions based on love for people as opposed to love for self and or position. 
What if they opted to do what was right as opposed to doing something because it will get them some added votes or some added publicity? You know, I wonder what, I wonder what society would look like if they did that. You know, I wonder what internet discussions would be like if we considered other people's views and didn't just bully or run people down for disagreeing or having a different perspective. Yeah. I wonder what life as a whole would look like if we started from a foundation of love. You know, verse 21 in the passage, I think, says it really well. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Imagine that world. What, what if we actually lived what we have been commissioned to live? Better yet, what if we extended the same grace and love that has been given to us? What if we extended that to, to the people around us? What if we forgave things that, you know, a lot of minor things happen and we hold on to them? What if we just like, you know what, clean slate. I love you. I love you more than, than what it is to be upset over silly things. You know, imagine what the world would look like if we actually showed this love. You know, and that's, I think, a fundal difference between understanding love as being who God is as opposed to what the world would consider love. You know, in the world, it's, it's often all about me, me, me. You know, it's about what we can get. What, a, what quick fix can I get to make me feel important? We, choose, we often choose who to show love towards. And it's often a subconscious decision, but sometimes it's also intentional. You know, we extend it to those in positions of importance or we, we do it to, to make ourselves look good, you know, or, or to, to gain influence. We know the people who to go to and, and, and encourage and show love to because, you know, gives us some influence and some pull. You know, sometimes people do get it right. You know, I don't want to be completely saying we get everything wrong because quite often people do get it right in loving people. You know, you look at the forever home, you look at Matt's place, you look at precious baby quilts, you look at what we do as a church family. We do get it right quite, quite often and the world is such a better place when we do. And we need to use those as the examples and the benchmarks for why it's important to live with love. You know, God models his love throughout the scriptures and we see that real love is unashamed. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we had finished sinning, because the fact is we, doesn't matter, even if we're saved, we still, we still make mistakes, we still sin. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's unashamed. Like this is this is the Creator God who who comes and and sends His Son into the world for a people who have turned away from Him, gone and done their own thing. And He's like, "Nah, I love you. I'm giving you this opportunity to come back." You know, this whole notion is so condescending by God to Himself. You know, He gives up everything for people who reject Him and who honestly don't deserve it. You know, we don't deserve the gift of his love, but he gives it to us anyway. That's pretty amazing. 
Find me something of the world that does that. You know, he is love, yet he extends his arms of love even while we reject him and don't live a life as set apart as we are called to do. You know, I look at, I look at Barabbas. You know, for, if you don't know the story, Barabbas was a, was a criminal. He incited rebellions. He was a murderer and he was in prison. And when Jesus was taken before Pilate, the governor, and they brought out Barabbas and they, wanted to, they were going to set one of them free and the crowd chanted for Barabbas and Jesus stood there in silence. So here's Jesus who's perfect, done nothing wrong, doesn't speak up and lets, lets them release Barabbas, someone who doesn't deserve to be let go. And you sit there and, and wonder, you know, how, how can that happen? You know, how can everybody get it so wrong? And I wonder if it's because the people related more to Barabbas than they did to Jesus. Because, you know, we kind of are like Barabbas. We make those mistakes. We, we, we empathise with him because, you know, we've been there. We've made mistakes. You know, we may not incite rebellions or go around and murder people, but, you know, sin is sin. In, in that vein, it's, it's all together. So I wonder if they recognised themselves in Barabbas and were like, okay, let him go. We don't want to deal with the fact that there's something there. So I wonder, I wonder if there's something there. You know, so his love is so unashamed that he just loves us anyway. Even if we are like Barabbas, he loves us. You know, so we need to have a love that is unashamed to love difficult people. Amen? Those that we may deem beneath us or other people may deem beneath us, we need to love them. People who may rub us up the wrong way, we love them. People who may gossip about us, we love them. People who simply may look or act or speak differently to us, we love them. Let us be known for extending an unashamed love to people. You know, sometimes it can be an inconvenience, but that's where we grow. That's where we get our greatest joy when we do something that is uncomfortable and an inconvenience. So let's love with an unashamed love. You know, let us also love with a pure love. You know, no agenda, no expectation of receiving something back. God loves all people, even knowing full well that people are still going to reject him anyway. He gives everything in love for people who are going to reject him. Some may call it foolish. I actually think it's the height of courage, to be honest, to love knowing that you're going to be rejected anyway. It's putting it all out there knowing that it isn't going to work. It's putting others before ourselves. It's having a sacrificial love and you know I'm going to pump him up a little bit here um, I spent Friday night in emergency nothing nothing serious it's all good um, but I sent him home we got there we got there about 11:30 Friday night and didn't leave till midday yesterday but M wouldn't M wouldn't leave she she stayed she's like no I'm not going anywhere don't be stupid that's what sacrificial love is you know M didn't get a whole lot of sleep um, I probably got more sleep than, than she did. But that's what sacrificial love 
is. It's putting the needs and the concerns of others above yourself. That's what we're called to do. That's what we need to be to the world. That's what we need to be to each other. Putting others before ourselves. You know, and like we heard from the kids earlier, let us have a childlike love. That's pure. It's real. It's honest. But let's not be childish with love. If any of you have seen the movie Anchorman, um, there's, there's a character in there named Brick and there's a scene where he just basically picks up a whole bunch of items and he's like, I love table, I love phone. And they're just like, are you just pointing at things and saying you love them and he just keeps going. But I think, I think that's reflective sometimes of, of society. We just go, we just throw out the word, oh yeah, I love that, I love that, I love that. We pick and choose who and what we love. That's not what love is. Understanding that love isn't about us. We need to understand that love isn't about us getting the credit. It's the realisation that we are loved and so therefore we need to love others as well. That's what real love is. And once we've reached that point of understanding, we need to recognise why we need love. Particularly God's love. You know, I mentioned this before, but Genesis 2.18 says it is not good for man to be alone. So from the beginning, God's design has always been for humanity to live in relationship and harmony with one another, to love one another, to be supporting and helping side by side. You know, humanity at its best is us working together in unity and in harmony, loving one another. You know, the opening quote from the movie Love, actually, and I, I know I talk about this movie all the time, but I love this movie. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it. But the opening quote goes, whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. Yes, it's a British movie, so go with it. General opinions starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed, but I don't see that. It seems to me that love is every, everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. You know, when the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate. They were all messages of love to their families. If you look for it, you might just see that love actually is all around. That's a, that's a perfect world. And, and an airport is a great place to actually see it because either you're welcoming somebody back home who's been away for a little while or you're actually sending them out. So it's one of those places where love is actually fairly well expressed and communicated. But why can't we express and communicate that all the time? That's what we're called to do. It shouldn't just take somebody coming back or somebody going away to actually express love. It should be who we are. So who needs to hear from you that you love them? I want you to think about that. Who needs to hear from you that you love them? You know, I want to just honour a few people here this morning. You know, Zach's hiding behind the computer up there on multimedia Give us a wave, Zach. <laughs> the thumbs up. But someone like Zach, he, he's multimedia, he's on the band, 
He's on the youth team. You know, he just comes and serves. And so we love you for it, mate. So thank you. You know, Will over here. Yeah, I got to single you out, mate. He's up on base, he's on the youth team, and he's one of the most encouraging people that you will meet. So thank you, Will. We love you, mate. We love you, mate. And I could, I could go on with a whole lot of people in this place, but we don't have a couple of days to actually go through and list off. But get around people and encourage them. Love on them. You know, do you need a reminder that you are loved? Well, God's speaking to you today. He's saying, I love you. I am proud of you. Come to me and let me show you what real love is. And that's where we need to get our worth, from God's love, not from the world. You know, often our self-worth is caught up in the people that love us or it's the things we love or are good at. The danger with this is that our craving for love and acceptance is placed in things that aren't necessarily the right thing for us. And so we create these kind of like strongholds in our life that prevent us from fully experiencing and living with God's love in our hearts. So I'm going to plug the disciple course. It starts, starts Monday week. But that helps you get that freedom to actually live in God's love and recognise that love and, and break off those strongholds. So if you haven't signed up for it and you want to do it, it's going to run Monday nights for about eight or ten weeks on the table at the back. But it's an amazing thing and it actually helps you to fully understand and experience God's love. You know, we need love. I don't deny that. But the love we need is the love that makes us whole again. Yes. The love that sets us free. The love that brings restoration and transformation. The fact is, church, whether we choose to admit to it or not, we are sinful and there are parts of us that are broken. You know, we let people down. We fall short of expectations. We make mistakes. We make bad decisions. We hurt people. We find solace in vices that turn into addictions. Porn, alcohol, gambling... Sex, lying, exaggeration, all those sort of things. We become slaves to the world. We're stuck in shame, fear, guilt, unworthiness, lust, etc. It's a depressing existence at times. But just because it's our surface, ex- ex- just because it's our surface existence, doesn't mean that that is our spiritual reality. Amen. Just because it's our surface existence doesn't mean that it is our spiritual reality. You know, Jesus came and Jesus died for us. It's scandalous. It's inconceivable. But it's reality. Love is the beginning point in the story of salvation and it begins with God. It doesn't hinge on our perfection because if it did, God would never have made a way for us in the first place and he wouldn't need to. God is love and even though his love is unexpected and something we didn't earn, he gives it to us abundantly. When we live in the fullness of the love that God has shown to us, we won't be afraid of judgment 
you know? He made the first move in showing love to us while we were stuck in our sin. He made himself accessible. Like in the Old Testament, you had to go to a priest who goes into a room for you at a certain time of year and prays intercession to God for you. No, no, not anymore. Jesus came and died for us so that all we have to do is call on his name and we are saved and set free. All we have to do is call on the name of Jesus and we are saved and set free. We just got to accept his love. We just have to accept his love. You know, what Jesus endured for us, being beaten, stabbed, spat on, embarrassed, humiliated, is the single greatest act of love the world has ever and will ever see. He turned an instrument of death and torture, the cross, into the biggest, most widely recognised symbol of love in history and in the future of the world. You know, he is the good shepherd and a good shepherd chases after his wayward flock. Jesus chases after us. You know, the love of God chases after us, reaches out to us. His love restores our hearts and our minds and our souls. And that restoration comes and sets us free. I don't know about you, but that's pretty amazing. So this morning, let the love of God set you free. You know, in Jesus' name, we break off the power of addictions. Whatever they are, we break them off. Break off sin and unworthiness and shame. You know, we break these things off in Jesus' name. We break off pride and selfishness and stubbornness, fear and helplessness. In Jesus' name, we break these off. We live in love, not in slavery to these things. You know, I found that real love, that God love when I was in a hopeless place. And we all do. Whatever situation we are presently in, we can find and experience God's love. We just have to be ready for it, willing to acknowledge we need it and be prepared for what comes with accepting it. You know, the fact is that in Western culture, we are all educated to a reasonable standard. We have things more readily available to us that feed our egos and our fleshly desires. We're prideful, we're selfish, and often our first thought is what works for us. Once I'm comfortable, then I might take the blinkers off and look around me. You know, I know that this can make us feel uncomfortable, but it's reality, so there's no point pretending otherwise. The problem with this is that it makes it difficult for us to understand that we are sinners by nature and that we need to repent, which is simply, you hear it on the street and you think that repent, oh, it's this big, spooky, scary word. It's literally, you're going this way, you turn around and go back on the path that God set for you. And we need a saviour. It flies in the face of self-help books and what the world says. It's uncomfortable, but the fact is we need repentance in our lives and we need the love of a saviour. Good thing we have had the very thing we need laid before us. All we have to do is accept it. The greatest love the world has ever known has been shown to us. So we need to break free from our ego, our material wealth, our false view of ourselves and recognise we are sinners in need of love and grace. We need to be honest with ourselves as to who we are and what we really need and then decide what we are going to do about it. We're going to continue to live our way in sin and brokenness or accept the free gift of love that makes us whole. 
You know, once we've understood what this love is and, and recognised the very real fact we need it, we're faced with a decision. And our response determines where we end up. You know, when we accept the love of God into our hearts, transformation begins from the inside out, whether we want it or not. So accepting that love is a promise from us that we choose to be transformed. We choose to put love at the front. You know, I think about it as a, like a, a gym membership. Like if you buy a gym membership, you fork out that money, you're actually going to go and, and do it right. You're actually going to utilise it and transform yourself. You're not just going to buy it and then not use it. Like what's the, what's the point? But it's like this. When that transformation process begins, we are then responsible for our choices and our attitudes and the words that we say. We need to choose to live a life that is full of the love of God in us, that we take it into our communities. You know, God loves all of us individually and fully. His love never runs out, and it is only his love which can do this. So we are faced with the choice of acceptance and repentance or being stuck in bondage and the wilderness. I want you to consider where you're at and what you need. And just remember that God's love brings restoration. You know, it's just acknowledging we don't have it all together. The love of God makes us new. You know, we've got baptisms next weekend, which is a, a direct sign of going, you know what? I'm going to go into the water and come out a new creation, and God's love makes us new. So if you want to be baptised, come see me at the end. You know, his love compels us to love, you know, to get involved in church life. You know, compels us to make God the focus of what we do. Connect groups, um, serving, giving, coming to prayer on a Wednesday night, all of those things. So let his love transform you. Let our identity come from his love. We need to not let things like fear, shame, anxiety, fleshly desires rule our lives anymore. Let his love make us whole and help us to love ourselves so that we can love others. You know, that's all it is. It's about loving people and loving them for who they are. And Jesus set a pretty good example of doing that. You know, the woman at the well, he just came and loved her. Peter denied him three times. He still loved him. You got Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Jesus went and had dinner with him. Everybody told him he was stupid. Why would you do that? Jesus saw who people were and loved them anyway. Can I get the band up? You know, Jesus gives us two commandments, to love God and to love our neighbour as ourself. When we understand God's love, when we understand that we are loved, our response is to love. So what are we choosing to love? If we are to live out this mandate effectively, we need to understand what real love, the love of God, is. We need to recognise our need for this love and we need to accept it and let it transform us. Because we are loved, so we should love. Amen.